the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. G7 leaders said Russian missile attacks could be considered war crimes. And recall that indiscriminate attacks on innocent civilian populations constitute a war crime. Tulsi Gabbard walks away from the Democrat Party claiming they're an elitist cabal of warmongers. Today's Democratic Party is controlled by fanatical ideologues who hate freedom. Actress Angela Lansbury, famous for her role in the television series Murder, She Wrote, dies at age 96. She's such a friend of so many families in this country. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, October 12th. I'm Mike Scott. On Tuesday morning, the G7, which consists of leaders of the world's largest economies, reiterated their commitment to Ukraine by condemning Russia's aggression and vowed to back Ukraine for as long as it takes. The event came after Russia deployed around 80 missiles across Ukraine on Monday, killing at least 19, injuring many others, according to Ukrainian officials. Evan Lambert of News Nation explains the latest news coming out of the G7 countries. G7 leaders called out Moscow's recent attacks in response to the bombing of the bridge between Crimea and Russia, saying in a joint statement after their call with Zelensky Tuesday, quote, we condemn these attacks in the strongest possible terms and recall that indiscriminate attacks on innocent civilian populations constitute a war crime. We will hold President Putin and those responsible to account. And the G7 also saying in its statement that if Russia uses chemical, nuclear or biological weapons, there will be severe consequences. Retired General Richard Newton says that while Putin may be losing the war, there is the possibility that he may open up another front through Belarus. Right now, Putin is on the ropes and he's losing uh, significant uh, ground in uh, in, in Ukraine, and the tide has certainly turned against him. Uh, in fact, at the G7 today, the emergency meeting of the G7, which really showed an extraordinary uh, show of unity with not only within the G7, but also with President Zelensky. President Zelensky also asked that there be a consideration for an international force along the Belarus-Ukraine border so that there is not any participation or flow of Russian troops into Ukraine to open up another front. That, to me, is it's possible, but I don't know if it would it's likely or in terms of how effective it would be. Easy for me to say. I'm sitting here in Jupiter, Florida, but nonetheless, it, there is certainly a, could be a threat from that direction. Newton goes on to say that Russia's tactics are, in his opinion, war crimes. 
And anytime you launch 84 cruise missiles, and by the way, there was another strike, as Evan, uh, you know, clearly reported, uh, another strike today uh, across Ukraine in, in several cities and so forth. However, relatively ineffective, but it is going after indiscriminate targets against civilians. Again, it shows, in my view, this is war criminal territory, certain for Putin and his military leaders. So it's it's his back against the wall, but this there's going to be many more pages out of this playbook. Uh, but, uh, you know, just we just need to stand by for more, if I may, on another point. It's not just going after civilian targets. He's going after electrical power grid and energy power grid because the winter coming up and he wants to uh, slow down if not stop the energy production that will warm the houses of of the citizens of Ukraine. Newton explains that while the prospects of the Ukrainian war spilling into other countries is small, his contacts in Poland are preparing for war. I don't believe it's going to, you know, necessarily that's the next couple steps or so, but if I'm in Poland, I would absolutely be concerned. And my sources in Poland, or at least from what I understand, is is they would tell you that uh, let's not think about having a war with Putin in the next five years. The war is right now. This is where we have to defeat we collectively being uh, NATO and the allies, and certainly Poland up against the Ukrainian border. They want Putin to be stopped and they want him to be removed from Ukraine. And this is the time and the opportunity for to do it. And President Biden, clearly, as well as the other uh, NATO and certainly the G7 leaders, has said, you know, we will stand by uh, as long as it takes. My advocate uh, or my position of advocacy in terms of what I would be telling the president is not only in terms of how long it takes, but certainly what will it take in terms of increased capabilities, increased ammunition supplies, such as NASM's that Evan uh, indicated. And so I think it's key that we're at a turning point right now, but the turning point's going in the direction in favor of Ukraine, the United States, and NATO, and frankly, for the rest of the free world. This news comes as NATO told Moscow on Tuesday it would meet attacks on allies' critical infrastructure with a united and determined response and was monitoring Russia's nuclear forces closely as the country was losing on the battlefield in Ukraine. NATO also announced that the alliance will proceed with its annual nuclear preparedness exercise in which NATO air forces practice the use of U.S. nuclear bombs based in Europe with training flights without live weaponry. According to reports, President Biden believes the United States needs to reevaluate its relationship with Saudi Arabia, especially in light of the decision by the OPEC plus oil cartel to cut production. White House Secretary of Defense for Public Affairs John Kirby was on CNN saying Biden is willing to work with Congress on shaping a new relationship with Saudi Arabia. I think the president's been very clear uh, that uh, that this is a relationship that uh, that we, we need to continue to reevaluate, that we need to, to be willing to to revisit. Um, and certainly in light of the OPEC decision, I think that's where he is. And he's willing to work with Congress uh, to, to think through what that relationship ought to look like going forward. Again, I don't have any decisions to announce or speak to today, uh, but I think you'll find that the, that the president... Uh, obviously disappointed by the OPEC decision uh, and is going to be willing to work with Congress as we as we think about uh, what the right relationship with Saudi Arabia needs to be going forward. Kirby goes on to say it is time to reevaluate that relationship. I, I think the timeline's now, and I think he's going to be willing to, to start to have those conversations uh, right away. I, I don't think this is anything that's going to have to wait or should wait, quite frankly, uh, from for much longer. You mentioned the winter coming. Cl- clearly, that 
that's a factor here. But more importantly, for the president, it's really about our own national security, our national security interests, and those are the American people, and that's what he's going to put foremost. Democrat Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut says that it's high time that Saudi Arabia faces some sort of consequences for their behavior toward the United States. We sell uh, massive amounts of arms to the Saudis. I think we need to rethink those sales. I think we need to lift the exemption that we have given this OPEC plus cartel from U.S. price fixing liability. I think we need to look at our troop presence uh, in uh, the Middle East and Saudi Arabia. I mean, listen, for years, we have looked the other way as Saudi Arabia has chopped up journalists, has engaged in massive political repression for one reason. We wanted to know that when the chips were down, when there was a global crisis, that the Saudis would choose us instead of Russia. Well, they didn't. They chose Russia. They chose to back up the Russians, drive up oil prices, which could have the potential to fracture our Ukraine coalition. And there's got to be consequences for that. So whether it's lifting the cartel's immunity or whether it's rethinking our troop presence there, our security relationship, I just think it's time to admit that the Saudis are not looking out for us. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez, who chairs the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, has called on America to immediately freeze all aspects of our cooperation with Saudi Arabia, including any arms sales. The move by OPEC last week could send oil prices even higher, which in turn could raise prices at the gas pump heading into the midterm elections, where higher gas prices could be damaging to President Biden and Democrats politically. Former Hawaii Representative Tulsi Gabbard announced she's leaving the Democrat Party as she called on other independent-minded Democrats to exit with her. Former Congresswoman took to Twitter to release a statement that reads, in part, I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that is now under complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by radicalizing every issue and stoke anti-white racism, demonize the police, protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, believe in open borders, weaponize the national security state to go after political opponents, and above all, dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Gabbard represented Hawaii's 2nd Congressional District from 2013 to 2021 as a Democrat, and in 2020 she mounted an unsuccessful bid for the party's presidential nomination. Gabbard joined Fox News later in detail why she's leaving the Democrats. As you know, I've, I've always been an independent-minded person. A Democrat, yes, but an independent Democrat. And my loyalties are very clear. I love our country. And I took an oath both as a service member, as a soldier, as well as as a member of Congress to support and defend the Constitution. And that's an oath that I take extremely seriously. And so when you look at this party, the, the today's Democratic Party, it's controlled by fanatical ideologues who hate freedom. They despise yes. the Constitution. They actively find ways to undermine our God-given rights enshrined in the Constitution, like freedom of speech. If you say something and I say something that they don't like, 
instead of saying, you know what, agree to disagree, live and let live in the traditional liberalist kind of way. No, that's not good enough. They will do all that they can to destroy you, silence you, smear you, work with big tech, work with corporate media to actively destroy anyone who dares to even question their agenda. Gabbard goes on to say, in her opinion, that the Democrat Party stands against freedom. They are against freedom of religion. They are hostile towards people of faith, people who have their own spiritual practice, especially Christians, finding ways to uh, be vindictive, to discriminate, to punish people who happen to exercise that freedom of religion. The list goes on and on, but the foundation of freedom is really what was at the heart of my making this decision, that I cannot be a member of a party that is against freedom and actively trying to undermine it. Gabbard also explains that the foreign policy of the Democratic Party is, in her opinion, pushing America toward a nuclear holocaust. It speaks to the whole environment of fear that those in power, these elitists in power, have fomented to where people are afraid to speak the truth. They're afraid to exercise their right to free speech because, hey, you might lose your job. You might be canceled. You might be trashed. And God forbid in Washington, you might not be invited to the cool kids parties. You might not be as popular. And, and this is really what it comes comes down to is rather than taking a stand for peace, for prosperity, security and freedom of the American people, we have too many people in Washington who are warmongers, subservient to the military industrial complex and continuing to put their own selfish interests or the interests of their donors first with no mind for the cost and consequence that their decisions have on the American people. This is exactly what we're seeing right now with President Biden and leaders in Congress whose decisions are actively pushing us to the brink of a nuclear holocaust, of which they may have their bunkers where they'll be safe, but we, the American people, will have no shelter, no place to go, uh, no place to hide and face the consequences that could destroy all of humanity and the world as we know it. Gabbard did not say what her plans are for her own political future. A leaked recording of racist comments resulting in the Los Angeles City Council president's resignation also provides a look into City Hall racial rivalries. Daybreak Insider's Julie Walker has more details on this story coming to us from Los Angeles. Democrat Nuri Martinez stepped down as president of the L.A. City Council Monday and apologized, saying she was ashamed of her racially offensive language in the year-old recording. Her remarks, which included mocking the black son of a white councilman, came during a discussion with other Latino council members about protecting their political power during redistricting. The white councilman Mike Bonin called for the resignations of the others involved in the discussion as well, describing it as a coordinated effort to weaken black political representation in L.A. I'm Julie Walker. On Tuesday, the White House revealed new details for how Americans will be able to apply for student loan forgiveness. According to reports, the form will be hosted on a .gov website when it goes live, Later this month, the application contains a few questions that seek basic information about borrowers. Those who seek debt forgiveness will then be required to check a box that certifies under penalty of perjury that they meet the income threshold for the debt relief program 
Debt forgiveness is available to borrowers whose adjusted gross income in 2020 or 2021 was less than $125,000 for individuals or $250,000 for couples filing taxes jointly. Betsy DeVos, the former Secretary of Education, joined Fox News and says that student debt forgiveness is a terrible idea. Well, I think it's a horrible idea. It's uh, also, I think, patently illegal. And we're seeing the reality around that as lawsuits are filed to challenge it. The Biden administration keeps changing the, uh, the parameters around whose loans will be forgiven. Look, this is horrible policy. It's not fair to the two out of three Americans that never took out college loans and that are now going to be shouldered with the burden of paying them. And you mentioned the $400 billion price tag. A recent Wharton study has suggested it will be a trillion dollars. So somewhere between $400 billion and a trillion dollars of taxpayer funds being shifted to those who haven't taken out college loans, who haven't gone to college. And this is this is just an untenable policy, and it it has to be ultimately uh, defeated, I believe. DeVos believes in her expertise this is a political stunt, so Democrats can buy votes in the upcoming midterms. It's nothing but a political payoff, uh, trying to buy votes in a off-year, a, a, a mid-year election or a midterm election. And it's, it's, a, it's a pitiful attempt to, uh, to buy those votes and to say to others who have, who have dutifully paid, who have you know, faithfully paid their loans or who have not chosen to take out loans, that you don't really matter. We're going to make sure to secure these votes because they know they're the most progressive votes. And, and uh, you know, it, again, it's just really, really horrible policy, not to mention the fact that having been at the Department of Education for four years, operationally, they're not even prepared to be able to handle something like this. So there's a lot of talk about it now and a continued revision of who's going to actually qualify. Again, just, I think, an indicator that this is an attempt at a political vote by. DeVos tells Fox News that student debt forgiveness from the White House is illegal. Congress is the only one with the power of the purse. The notion that the president, the executive branch, can simply, with a stroke of a pen, uh, spend billions and billions of taxpayer dollars without consulting with or getting the approval of Congress uh, makes it illegal. And uh, I believe the challenges will ultimately, I believe, ho- hold this out. But there has to be the right lawsuit with the right standing to be able to get into the court system which is why we continue to see the administration revise the parameters around which the loans will be forgiven. And so uh, expect to see continued discussion around that, but also increasing numbers of lawsuits filed because people across the country realize and know that this is a patently illegal and unfair scheme to appeal to a, a, a small section of people at the expense of millions and millions of taxpayers. The Education Department has been working with its existing contractors to build capacity for a large influx of web traffic and applications all at once when the process opens.
Worries about a crippling U.S. railroad strike have surfaced once again. Daybreak Insider's Keith Peters is following this story and has new details. The U.S.'s third largest railroad union rejected a deal with freight railroads Monday, renewing the possibility of a strike that could cripple the economy. Both sides will return to the bargaining table before that happens. Over half of track maintenance workers represented by the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees Division, who voted opposed the five-year contract despite 24% raises and $5,000 in bonuses. Union President Tony Cardwell said the railroads didn't do enough to address the lack of paid time off, particularly sick time. Keith Peters reporting. A week after a national record pumpkin was broken, a new mark has been set in. Daybreak Insider's Oscar Wells Gabriel has the story of the new biggest gourd ever. Two, five, six, oh, wow! Great gourds of fire. That didn't take long. A horticulture teacher from Minnesota now owns the new U.S. mark for heaviest pumpkin. Travis Gingard's huge gourd, weighing in at 2,560 pounds, tops the mark set just last week in New York State by six pounds. Gingard says one thing working against him was the weather in Minnesota, where it's nice in mid-year, but spring can be rough. It's like winning the Tour de France on a big wheel. You know, you just... You can only hope. Gino drove 35 hours from Minnesota to the World Championship Pumpkin way off in Half Moon Bay in California. I'm Oscar Wells Gabriel. And finally, Angela Lansbury, the London-born actress who played dauntless mystery novelist Jessica Fletcher on CBS's Murder, She Wrote, for 12 years, has died. The children of Dame Angela Lansbury are sad to announce that their mother died peacefully in her sleep at home in Los Angeles at 1.30 a.m. today, October 11th, 2022, just five days shy of her 97th birthday. The statement continues that in addition to her three children and three grandchildren, she is survived by five great-grandchildren and her brother. Her husband of 53 years, Peter Shaw, preceded her in death. Lansbury, who was known for roles in Disney's animated film Beauty and the Beast, Beauty and the Beast. As well as in Murder, She Wrote. It reminded me of something that I've noticed at the murder scene. Was the daughter of a Belfast-born actress and her second husband, a lumber merchant. In a 1993 People profile, Lansbury referred to her mother as a true Irish beauty who would take a young Lansbury to plays in London's Old Vic and enrolled her in a school for the arts and dance. In 1940, the Lansburys moved to New York after her father died. They then relocated to Los Angeles, where Lansbury landed a screen test at MGM, which catapulted the then 17-year-old into the Oscar-nominated 1944 film Gaslight. Lansbury also had an amazing career in theater. In June, she received her sixth Tony Award, an extra one, after she was honored at the 75th Tony Awards with the Lifetime Achievement Award. She was not in attendance to receive the honor. Born Angela Bridget Lansbury. The future actress was the daughter of Belfast-born actress Moyna McGill and her second husband, lumber merchant Edgar Lansbury. Lansbury said in a 1991 AP interview, people found comfort in Jessica Fletcher and murder, she wrote. She's such a friend of so many families in this country. So many youngsters have literally grown up with her. And not only that, but there's something about that character and that form, that genre of the closed-end mystery, which is very calming. It's very reassuring. Lansbury said in that 1991 interview it took her years 
to live down her performance as Mrs. Iceland in The Manchurian Candidate. They felt that I was the embodiment of evil. And I got sick of playing mothers, and that was one of the things that really put the lid on me, playing those roles. Angela Lansbury was 96. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.